apparently Ray McNally is a big deal. Okay, um, uh, you're good at directions. Any, uh, any, anyone else good at directions? Anyone else lose their faith in directions? <laughs> uh, anybody else? Sorry, maybe a more Nazarene to say that Nazarene way to say. It. Anybody lose their sanctification when trying to follow directions? Okay. All right. Okay. Man, I've been thinking about this because our passage this morning is Psalm 1, and Psalm 1 at its heart is talking about two directions, all right? It's talking about two paths, and we'll get to it. We'll read it in the morning, but Psalm 1 is talking about two directions, and uh, so I was, I've been thinking about it, and uh, at the heart of Psalm 1 is trust. I believe at the heart of the Gospels is a message on trust. I think you can uh, boil down not that it's always smart to do this, but if someone needed to know in an elevator pitch the gospel, it's in whom do you put your trust? In whom do you trust? And Psalm 1 is treated as an introductory psalm for the entire book of Psalms. Lately, I've been reading in the Psalms, trying to finish all 150 Psalms every month. All right? Just so you know that I'm human. I have failed every month so far that I've tried, <laughs> but, it's st- <laughs> but it's still a goal, okay? I'm, I'm trying, all right? So nothing, I'm not perfect in my scripture reading either, okay? So uh, take the pressure off. Um, but I've been trying to read uh, the Psalms as often as possible. What I love about the Psalms is it's the Christian believer's prayer book, and it was intentionally written that way. In fact, there's several Psalms. I think Psalm 76 or 78, one of those is essentially the entire Israelite story. So if you ever just wanted to pray through the Jewish story of faith, our ancestry, you could just read that entire psalm, and it's the entire Old Testament in in one song form. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Well, Psalm 1 serves as the introduction for the rest of the prayers that follow. The The rest of the 149 sit on the standard of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is an introduction that says, happy are those that take this path and not that path. So back to taking paths. Here's one thing that I've learned about maps. Um, When I was a seminary student, it was the year 2006, and I was still rocking a uh, Motorola, Motorola, <laughs> Motorola Razor flip phone, all right? So in other words, Siri did not live on that phone, okay? And uh, uh, it was a little bit of an anxious journey for me. I moved out to Kansas City. I lived on 31st and Troost. If you're familiar uh, with Kansas City... I lived on 31st in Truce in a roach-infested apartment with uh, three other people, okay? And uh, humble beginnings, humble beginnings. We didn't have, we didn't have uh, heat for the entire first year because we couldn't afford it. This is dumb. If you're about to move out on your own, this is, please don't do this. This is a fire hazard. We heated our apartment with space heaters the entire year. So we didn't have to pay the heating bill. <laughs> Justin probably remembers that because he would come over and visit us in that, in that apartment. Um, oh, man, it was rough. Well, uh, my first two weeks out here, 
and I said it was in 2006. I'm sorry, it was 2005. I moved out here for two weeks, and then a, a position, a youth ministry position, opened up in central Illinois, and I, and, I, and I took it. And so I was out here two weeks, and then like, all right, it's been a great two weeks. I'm moving now, and I moved to central Illinois, and then I returned a year later. But that night, the night before I left uh, to go to central Illinois on this assignment, I was all sorts of anxious because I didn't know if I was making the right choice or not. So the next day, I finished out my class. It was one of those quick two-week classes. I finished out the class. I gathered my things. I left the Roach Motel and headed out with a paper map. Now, they're going to, Emily, I want you to know, like, back, back in the old days when we were still settling in Kansas City in 2005, we... <laughs> used to have paper. We used to have paper. It's this thing that comes from trees, and there would be these lines on them, and if you followed them, it was called a map. You could get to where you're going, right? That was back when all we had. Man, we suffered with Motorola Razor flip phones, okay? That's all we had, and uh, so that phone did not have directions on it, so I pulled out my little paper map, Michael, and I was going to follow my paper map from 31st and Truce to Pekin, Illinois, which is just outside Peoria. I'm going to follow this all the way to, to my new home. Uh, I get in my car. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea where Pekin, Illinois is. Everything is brand new to me. I'm a little anxious thinking, am I even make, should, I, should I leave seminary? Maybe I should stay. I don't know. Should I? Uh, I was in a relationship at the time. It wasn't the right one, obviously, because her name was not Jenny, obviously. And I was a little anxious about that relationship. And I got in my car. I hit 435. I'm not, I'm not familiar with 435. I'm from Indiana. I'm familiar with 465. I'm not familiar with 435. 465, when I get on 465, even to this day, when I'm going to my parents' house and we have to get on 465, I'm as calm and collected, and that's not usually how people describe me, okay? <laughs> but it's funny, a familiar road, right? Where you don't need the map, this is the whole point. This is where I'm going. I'm dragging along. But ain't it nice to be somewhere where you don't need a map? That's all I'm trying to say. But now I can't not, not finish the story, Jeff. So 435, I'm on it. I don't know 435. I'm not comfortable with 435. I'm already anxious about everything else in my life, and now I'm anxious about 435. I'm driving for an hour, okay? Driving for an hour, assuming... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think God was telling me, don't leave, idiot. Um, I, I'm, dri I'm driving for an hour, assuming I'm in the middle of Missouri, and I'm like, huh, I didn't know, I didn't know the middle of Missouri has skyscrapers too. I feel like, huh, I think, wait a second. <laughs> I, I never got off 435. I, I, I missed it. And there was no, my little razor phone was not like rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. I didn't have that. I just had a little paper deal. I wasn't familiar. And when we're, uh, when we're in places unfamiliar. But now, now I've done this journey. I don't know how many times have we gone home to Indianapolis, like a million times. And uh, so I've lived here. So I moved back. And in 2006, outside two years. We've been in the Kansas City area every year since 2006, outside two years. 
So for the last several years, I know how to get on 435, get to 70, take 70 for 500 some miles to 465, and find my way to Fortville, Indiana, where my parents live, where, more importantly, where the grandparents live. I know how to, I know how to navigate. I know how to navigate now. I was so anxious that first time I got on the 435 that I didn't recognize how beautiful the Kansas City metro area was because I was so anxious. I was trying to figure out everything I could figure out about life. If I was in the right place, if I was going towards the right place, if I was dating the right person, if I was studying the right thing, if I was taking the right job. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot for a 22-year-old, but that's, that's what was happening. We put a lot of pressure on our young people, right? And, Get an amen from the young people. <laughs> we put a lot of pressure on young people, and I was carrying it all. I was trying to figure it, and I had no idea what road I was on, and I could not experience the beauty that was around me. This is what I've been thinking about this week. But what's odd is, and no one in here is going to say I-70 is beautiful, right? I get that. <laughs> I get that because I've traveled it so many times. I, I will give you that. I-70 in and of itself is not beautiful. But now that I know where I'm going and I am no longer worried about if I'm headed in the right direction, I know who's with me. I know my wife. I'm comfortable. I'm just here to make it public that I'm comfortable <laughs> with my wife, okay? I'm comfortable with my kids uh, every now and then. <laughs> I'm secure. I'm secure in my family. I know who's with me. I know where we're going. I know where, uh, uh, what's their address again? 604609 Bluff Creek Drive, Fortville, Indiana. I think I know where mom and dad live. Um, and I know where we're, I, for everyone listening to the podcast, just start sending the mail, please. Just sign them up for everything. Uh, give you the address. So. I know where we're headed. I, I know what's at the end of the road. And so this is what I've discovered about I-70. When I'm not driving, when I'm right in the passenger seat, yeah, you're going to think I'm crazy. I've come to love central Missouri. It's beautiful. Because I'm not worried about where I'm going, I've learned to love where I am. I learned to love what I can see around me. And to enjoy it for exactly what it is. It's central Missouri. What were you expecting? I think when I was expecting all of life's answers to be answered in one trip around 435, I was very disappointed with Kansas City. It was an awful city. It didn't answer any of my questions. It didn't provide any of my peace. One trip around 435 was the worst trip of 435 I've ever taken in my whole life. But now that I'm a little bit more secure in those things... I'm finding that trips around 435, I don't know. There's something about our city. I just like it. I don't know what I was expecting before, but now all I'm expecting is right where I am, and I kind of like Kansas City a lot. I love it. I love it even for those kind of shadowy places that you see around 435. And I won't name any places just in case I offend somebody, but we all have shadowy places that we see on our trips around 435. We've all noticed those kind of shadowy places on I-70 that advertise that they're there for truckers. We've all seen those places. I'm learning to find that even in those places, there's beauty all around them. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 tells us that there's two paths that we can take. One path is the path of the righteous. And the other path is the path of the wicked. 
Now, the wicked is described in such a way, in three particular ways. In three ways, the wicked is described in how far we can get away from the path of the righteous. At the end of this psalm, that is the gateway for the rest of the psalms, it ends with God's promise over those who walk in the way of the righteous. I would like us to read Psalm 1 together. So if you have it in some form or the other, flip to Psalm 1. My translation is the New Revised Standard Version, and I'll be reading from that. Let's read Psalm 1 this morning. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but see, they're like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Oh, indeed, indeed. Three things that I think I would like to mention before we get, I'm just going to let you know right now, before we step into extremely cold water, okay? So just prepare yourself. Uh, yeah, Luke, it's very cold, okay? It's real cold. Um, if one of you would like to bless the church with a little tub heater, we will take that donation. Yes, we will. Um, but three things that I, I would like to mention this morning about this psalm that has gripped my heart. And the first thing is about these descriptions of the wicked. And the second thing is about the law. And then the third thing would be about God's knowledge. So first, the wicked. You notice here three different postures. Those that walk in the path that sinners tread. Those who sit in the seat of scoffers. And those who follow the counsel, the advice of the wicked. The psalmist in this way is describing a general position of those that do not trust in the righteous way. Not only do they not trust in the righteous way, he ends this... Um, I wanted to say kind of condemning passage with the worst of all sins. It's categorized as like the worst classification of all of the, sorry, of the attitudes of the wicked. Maybe not ranking sins, but thinking of this most like if you have an attitude like this, your heart is so sour that you'll never know the righteous way. Kind of like that. You know what it is? Those who sit in the seat of mockers or scoffers. 
those whose attitudes have become so doubtful that God can do what God said He would do, that not only do they not believe, they sit in chairs of mockery. Have you ever noticed someone like that? You ever work with someone like that? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to sit with someone with like the worst attitude ever? And it doesn't matter if you try to bring good news, if you try to cheer them up. They just have a disposition of being nasty. Does anyone work with someone like that? Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know there for a second. I, I thought, whoa, man, I might be sitting amongst the first people of all time. I know I've even been there before where my attitude has been so sour that God himself could be standing right before me, but I would find some way to doubt his existence. I'd find some way. My son has an attitude like this sometimes. I could offer him candy, and he still says, no. (laughs) Nothing gets him out. His heart is so, well, bent up and mad about something that he can't see the thing before him. I think when we set out in life or in faith to walk in the only path in which we can trust, well, it's like taking 435 and not knowing where you're going and you just keep circling back to the same thing over and over and over again and you can't figure out why why your life doesn't have any forward momentum. and You just keep coming around the same thing. I love this definition of sin, that sin in itself is self locked into the wrong center. The center of self. And righteousness is the self locked into the center of Christ, orbiting around it. What we find is when we center around and orbit around a self-centered life, there is no freedom and there is no blessing to trust. What is there to trust in? Because everything, most things that we've experienced in life has burnt us, has produced anxiety within us, has told us that people will fail us, People will turn against us. That you'll trust people. You'll trust people. You'll give them everything you've got. And they'll sit there and mock you. And make fun of you. And ridicule you. So why would you be vulnerable for anybody? The path, and it's a hard word, but the path of the wicked, you can kind of change that word to be the the path of the self-trusting cannot trust anybody else, so I'm only going to trust me. I cannot surrender my life to anyone else that will tell me the direction, so I'm only going to trust me. Anybody ever get in the car with Siri, and Siri tells you where to go, but you doubt Siri? Like, nah, she's wrong, she's glitching. That's not the right way. And then you, then you go your own way, and then you realize, crap, Siri was right. <laughs> I told you I'm horrible with directions. I don't trust anybody. This psalm was written for me. When we only trust ourselves, we cannot receive direction from anybody else. And I think that the psalmist is right. Now, you live like that, you're going to end up into the seat of scoffers, into the seat of mockers. You're going to have the attitude of nothing will please you, 
No one could ever do anything for you. You'll write off everybody, everything, every deity. You'll eventually write off yourself. But the psalm doesn't start off with, cursed are you, <laughs> does it? What's it start off with? Blessed. Do you know anywhere else in Scripture that starts off like this? Um, there's a famous sermon that's preached on a mountain by Jesus. Yeah. How does, the, how does the Sermon on the Mount start? How did the Beatitudes start? Blessed are those. This actually, blessed, is not the best translation of that Hebrew word. Ashir is the Hebrew word here. It's not the best translation. Do you know what the best translation of Because there's other words for blessed. See, what blessed amounts to is that God's provision and God's promise will provide for the world. That's blessing. That God's goodness. I think the commentary I read this week, beneficent grace. I love that word. That God's beneficent grace will provide for the creation. That's blessing. That's a blessing. Um, the, the grass out there, anybody's grass get real green this week? God's blessing. God's blessing. Blessed is the grass that grows after the springtime rain. Blessed. God will provide. This isn't about God's provision. This is about you. This is about those that choose. You can either go down the path of the self-sufficient or you can go down the path of the righteous, and you can choose. And whether the psalmist has understood a key ingredient to life or not, I'm not really sure, but I think he may be on to something that really when you boil all of life down, there's two roads. Or who are you going to trust? Who is it? You can boil a gospel down. If you had to simplify it, you could get it all the way down to really whom do you trust? And so this word is not the word for blessed. It's the word for, I bet someone's translation has it. It rhymes with sappy. Happy, yeah. Here's the difference between those two words. Blessed is God's beneficent grace he will provide. Happy are those who live underneath the blessing of God. Blessing is God will do it. Happy are those who actually believe it. Oh, come on now. You ever been to church with people that aren't happy? Have you? I've been to church before. I've been around God's people before who aren't happy. I've never had the words for it. I have the words thanks to Psalm 1. I have the words for it now. It's not that they're not blessed. Oh, they're blessed. They're breathing, right? They're blessed. God said, I'm going to create you from dust and put my spirit in you. Well, you're breathing, so God did what God said he would do. Blessed is not happy. Blessed belongs to God. Happy? Happy are those who trust that God actually did that. Perhaps this becomes the difference in righteous circles. There are those that gather, and those that gather underneath the trust that God is doing and has done something miraculous and on the move. Those are two different attitudes, completely. One belongs to God and the other one belongs to you. Are you happy? In a sense, do you believe? Do you believe that God's beneficent goodness 
And that at all was not a condemnation on our congregation, just kind of a way to bring us into understanding that I feel like we've all experienced that before. And it's a good way to name it amongst us. Oh, man, am I happy? Happy in the sense that am I living every day with the trust that the way that God provides for me will actually provide for me? Or have I become so dependent that if it doesn't come from me, if I don't see it in my own feelings, if I don't experience it in my own emotions, then I cannot trust it. I don't know about you, but when I switch off to that road, that road of self-sufficiency, I become less happy. I become way less happy. I become anxious. I become burdensome. It's all on me. I've got to fix this. You ever face conflict with someone in which you don't know how you're going to solve the conflict and you feel like it's all on you? You've got to go back and you've got to try to make everything right. You've got to say all the right words. You've got to do all the right things and you certainly can't screw up in the future. Anyone ever, you don't have to tell me if you felt like that. I know you felt like that. I have felt like that. In that moment, I think this song comes to us. Singing over us. There's two paths you can take right now. You can trust yourself for reconciliation or you can trust God. And the attitudes represented in these two paths is one will turn you bitter because everything that you can trust about yourself will probably end up sour. Because you can't. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard I might try, I cannot fix the people that may be upset at me. Or have been upset at me. If I could, I would, but I can't. So if I trust myself to do it, if I put all the pressure upon myself to do it, it's like getting on 435, not knowing where I'm going and circling around, 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 again and again. What was I expecting? I end up not seeing anything beautiful about myself. I end up only seeing that I sit in a seat of scoffers. That I'm filled with sarcasm. That my tongue turns nasty and the words that I use, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that I represent the gospel with the words that I use when I center around the seat of scoffers. Am I, Kevin, I just want to know. I'm going to put you right on the spot. Am I making any sense at all or do we just need to get in the water? Okay, maybe a little bit. Okay. <laughs> well, I told you I got two more things. So the next thing. Um, what was that next thing that I said I was going to say? Oh, yes. I wonder what you hear when you hear the word law. I wonder what you hear when you hear the word Torah. I wonder if what you hear is what's intended. What's intended here is the instruction. The instruction wrapped up into tradition and teachings of the church. When the psalmist writes the word Torah, when the psalmist writes the word law, when the psalmist says, oh, those who delight in the law of the Lord are like trees planted by streams of living water. When the psalmist writes that, what he has in mind here is not those who orbit around commands and can trust in themselves to always do the right thing, to always say the right thing, to always go in the right place, 
to always tithe the right amount. What's, what's in the psalmist's mind here is not someone who's memorized the right things to do and always does them. That's self-sufficiency. You might actually end up be doing the right things and end up in the path of scoffers and the wicked. What he has in mind here is the life of the very living God. Another way to say this is not blessed are those or happy are those who delight in the law of the Lord, but happy are those who delight in the way. You ever heard that in Scripture? Happy are those who delight in the way, Thomas says. Jesus, what do you mean you're going to some place that I wouldn't be able to go? How in the world are we supposed to know the way? And when you get to that place that you're going to prepare for me, that dwelling place in which my name will be on it, if you're not with me, how will I know the way? This is John 14, 1 through 6. We had it read before the sermon. How will, you, how will I know the way? And what's Jesus' response? I am the way. There's two paths here this morning. It's a path of self-sufficiency or it's a path in the trust of Jesus. See, Jesus did not come from heaven to live on earth so that you could follow commands, but so that you could follow him. Right? Oh, man. Now, come on now. Whew. That conflict that we were just mentioning. It's either, Shelly, all on you to solve the daggum thing. Or you can delight and be happy. That means trust in the path that Jesus Christ himself is. You can walk in the path of Jesus so that everywhere that Christ would go, you go right there with him. How will we know the way to solve conflict? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Oh man, the hardest thing that we'll do in our Christian life is to surrender trust in our own path to trust in Jesus the Christ. It's the hardest thing. But you can boil down all of the gospel to this one move right here. When you get in your cars today, you're going to hop on a road that has no map. Are you going to surrender and trust in the directions of Jesus Christ? Now, there's one more thing that I want to share with you. And Caleb, I'll have you come on forward. And uh, Emily and Luke, just so you know, he's going to play a song. It's the same song we've been playing for a million weeks now. It's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. As he plays that, you can get ready and meet me over here. Okay? Not now. When the song plays. Luke's pumped, man. He's ready. Last thing is about knowledge. It's about knowledge very end of that psalm says, in the path of the righteous, God knows the path of the righteous. Well, because we've been formed by uh, enlightenment, knowledge to us means cognitive knowledge, right? That God just, he, he knows, like, God knows. Sometimes, Christy, that doesn't lead to anywhere but anger. Because if God knows, then why would God let that happen to me? Well, we can take solace in the fact that the knowledge here, this word knowledge is not the same way that we interpret knowledge. It's a similar word to John chapter 10 in which Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. No one enters the gate except through me. 
Just as the Father knows me, I know you. The shepherd knows all of his sheep. You're not getting as jazzed as I am. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to. I'm getting jazzed because I know that word, gnosko. And that word is not a commanding word. That word is not like my dad when I would show up at 1130 when I was supposed to be home at 11. And my dad goes, I know where you've been. It's not, it's not that type of knowing. This type of word, this knowing, this gnosko word, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I know all my sheep. That's the type of knowing that my dad did when I screwed up beyond repair. And he held me in his chest and he cried over me. And he said, son, I know it's going to be okay. That type of knowledge. It's relational knowledge. It's like, oh man, I know you and I've got you. Come beside me and let me shepherd you. And so this morning as we get ourselves ready to celebrate baptisms, this is what I want to say. You've got two choices, man, and you face these choices every single day. Take the pressure off you. God knows you. You are his sheep. God loves you. God comes beside you in the person of Jesus. God is surrounding you, filling you with the Holy Spirit. Trust in yourself because Jesus is in you. Trust in the Christ that lives in your heart and surrender today. The temptation that you'll face not even as you hear me talking, but the temptation will face the moment you leave these doors, and that is you can trust only in yourself. You have two paths. One's wicked and one's righteous. The righteous path will lead to an attitude of happiness. I don't know about you, Michelle. I'm ready to see happy break out over this congregation. I'm ready to see rejoicing drip off of us. Well, how would we achieve that? I know, I know. Happy are those who trust in the righteousness of the way. 